I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs, and I am joined as I am each and every Thursday night by my good buddy, the president of the Polk County iClub, our fearless leader at HawkeyeNation.com. It is Joe Schmelka. Joe, what's up, man? Oh, so much better mood this week than last from the last couple three weeks, right? Man, um, had a great weekend. Had a great weekend in Iowa City. It was homecoming. Rented a house with uh, three or four fraternity brothers, and we had a lot of fun, including including the game. So it was a good weekend. Very good weekend. You could just kind of feel the tension lift off of this entire fan base, this entire program, the coaches, the players. Uh, With Iowa's 33 to 13 win over Northwestern on homecoming last week, that the first time Iowa has uh, all season really uh, looked like a a complete football team, looked the way that I think Joe we we thought maybe they would look coming into the season. You know that that was a quintessential Kirk Ferentz football game, and uh, Iowa isn't going to score 30 every week, and and you're not going to play a defense as poor as Northwestern every week, but that was the type of game uh, that, that I think most Hawkeye fans expected to, to have several times this season and, you know, there's still four games left, so, so maybe we'll see repeats of this moving forward, but, uh, man, just just really good from start to finish. A, a dominant performance, a beautiful day, and as you said, just kind of a relaxing win uh, for the Iowa football team. Yeah, it was it was really nice. It's exactly, like you said, what we needed. Um Nobody, nobody really knew, you know, what what we could really do, and and I think we finally put it together. We put it together, and uh, you know, it, it we looked good. We looked good finally, and yeah, the level of competition was definitely down. All right, so hopefully now we come out in the last uh, last four games here. We play kind of teams that are in the middle, maybe. You know what I mean? I mean, they're not going to be at the level of Michigan, Ohio State, even Illinois. It looks like Illinois has got a heck of a defense. Um, they're going to be, and they're not going to be as bad as Northwestern either. So hopefully, you know, we're someplace in the middle. Um, our offensive line with the changes and moving Colby over to guard, um, hopefully, hopefully that works for us, right? I mean, the biggest key in the whole thing, we've been saying it all year, Andrew, uh, offensive line is really young, very inexperienced. You're you're seeing Kirk and other coaches uh, from teams we played come out and say that, and um, he knows it. They just need experience. Uh, they need to get a little older. They need to get a little more mature physically, as as well as gain some experience. And I think this offensive line is really going to be a strength in the future. But right now, yeah, we're taking our we're taking our lumps a bit. Um, Northwestern. Not a real good team. Um, obviously, playing with a, a backup quarterback started like his second game, I think, and our defense pretty much controlled that side of the game. And um, you know, we got the running game going, 
And, man, Spencer looks a lot better back there when he's got time to throw and he's got a good running game, as all quarterbacks do. So um, we got to hope that the offensive line can do that going forward. And, uh, once again, when we score 18 or more points, <laughs> we win the game, right? So uh, so we won another game. We scored more than 18 points. We win the game. It's a pretty simple equation. Absolutely. You know, we've started most of these shows all season long talking about the offense, a lot of it in negative light. So let's start there again, but in more positive light. And you just hit on some of those big things. The offensive line looked really good. There was some shuffling there in the pregame, and I feel like they may have found their lineup, maybe found some sort of – I guess confidence, maybe more than anything, Joe. This entire offense found some confidence on Saturday. And you're right, Northwestern isn't great, uh, but Iowa doesn't have another great team on, on the schedule. And uh, So will they be able to repeat this? I don't know. But uh, they found some confidence, and you hope they're able to carry that into the next uh, into the next game and, and, and the rest of the month of, of November. But that offensive line, opening up holes to allow the running backs to, to do their thing. And when Iowa's running game is on schedule, the offense is completely different. Uh, you you're not. You don't need a third and long. When you have third and short, it's a lot easier. When you have second and four, it's a lot easier than second and, and ten, or God forbid, second and twelve, which we saw a lot last year. Uh, but open holes did the offensive line. They also gave Sp- Spencer Petrus enough time to sit back there and make his reads. And again, not not a lot of downfield throws, not a lot of big plays, nothing broke way open, but uh, Iowa doesn't need that to be successful. What they need is to have Spencer Petras have enough time to go through his reads, to find Sam Laporta 8, 10, 12 yards deep, uh, to check down to his running back if, if that's what he needs to do, to find these wide receivers and allow them time uh, to kind of get out there and get open and, and work against their defender. Uh, and, and the offensive line was able to give Spencer Petras that, that time to do that. Uh, the running backs ran hard. They looked good. Again, Petrus looked confident. That's that's the best he's looked all season. Uh, maybe as confident as he's looked in his entire Hawkeye career. And then you have the wide receivers and the tight ends who who were able to get open, able to get downfield, able to get into those into those routes and uh, and and make those catches. A couple of drops for sure. It wasn't perfect. And again, I was never going to be a team that's going deep downfield over and over again. And, and certainly not with the personnel they have right now. Although I liked what I saw out of Deontay Vines. I like seeing Brody Brecht get into the uh, action a little bit more. I like seeing some of that Jep sweep stuff. Uh, we saw Allen Bruce break a big play in the fourth quarter on that. It was just a uh it, again as i said earlier on this feels like the offense that iowa hoped they had coming into the season certainly didn't have through halfway through the season uh but but maybe they have found themselves and and at least found some confidence going into a uh, a tough now slate of, of four you know pretty big rivalry games here in, in the last uh, month of the season yeah i think so i mean i i, I think we went from playing really really good teams um, for the most part, and you know, we looked we looked good against uh, we looked okay against Nevada. We looked okay against uh, uh, Rutgers, um, but um, you know, we played some really really good teams. And that t- we, t- we talked about that last week. Toughest part of the schedule is over, and now we're into you know November, and every one of these games is winnable, and every one of these games is probably losable. I mean, it's going to depend on turnovers and you know things like that, really. Um, I, but I think our offensive line will, will hold its own better. Um, worried about, you know, coming up, and we'll talk about Purdue, I'm sure, in the next segment. But, um, you know, the offensive line has to perform better. I mean, they were just – they just weren't good the first, you know, seven games of the year. And now maybe they've gelled a little. They're certainly going to continue to get a little better. 
as the season goes on. Um, yeah, and they, they look good Saturday. There's no doubt about it. When they look good, you know, like you said, the whole team, the, the play action starts to work. And instead of having third and eight, you got third and three, third and four. And that's a heck of a lot better for our offense. Um, you know, Spencer, I think he had one sack. Uh, he threw the ball away a couple of times. He improvised on that play to Potomom. Um, just did things. Quite frankly, he doesn't normally do. Um, and, 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 and he looked pretty good. I, I really like Vines, um, number zero for us, I think. I think he's he's uh, he's kind of a game breaker. I'll, I'll be really surprised he doesn't you know break a tackle on a on a slant pattern or something and, and take one a long ways. Um, I just he's he's a football player. He's a wide receiver, and uh, we really lack that this year without Keegan Johnson. Um, Brody, like you said, Breck is is coming in starting to play. Finally, you know the team has got some of their weapons back. I mean, Nico really looked good. Ragiani, or however we pronounce his name now, um, he, he he really looked good. He just he looked like he had that quickness and he step and and he pulled away from people, um, and 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 he was able to get open. I don't think that's been the case all year. Um, Bruce has kind of been our only guy, and 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 obviously Laporta, and both those guys continue to play well. Now we get a couple more weapons, and hopefully the offensive line's a little better, and and that makes Spencer a little better, and. With a great defense and a great field goal kicker, who knows? We just might be able to uh, might be able to do some nice things down the stretch. You know, you brought brought up a couple of really good points there, Joe. Joe Schmelke, Andrew Downs on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on one hundred six point three KXNO and anywhere uh, at HawkeyeNation.com on the podcast page. Uh, a couple of points there: the, the clean game, and you're exactly right. This is a thing that has really bitten Iowa this year. Uh, that has helped Iowa win as many games as they have over the last five, six years. Really, over the last you know twenty two years under Kirk Ferentz, uh, the clean game. Iowa only had two penalties for 18 yards and, and neither of those were like drive killers or anything like that uh, and 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 didn't turn the ball over uh, you had six turnovers against Ohio State you've had a lot of penalties uh, unforced errors a lot of times this season and and in these games uh, like I expect to face in these next four games close games one possession games where one or two plays make the difference uh, this is really important to play these clean games not turn the ball over not penalize yourself very much uh, uh, and th- that's a, a really good point, and I think that was a huge part of the win. And then you're right. We have ourselves a kicker, ladies and gentlemen. Drew Stevens, uh, who didn't start the season as the kicker but came in after a, a couple of rough games, uh, has has really taken over that job. He's, he's a walk-on freshman. He is 4-for-4 four four, uh, on the day on Saturday, including that big 54-yarder. And, and not just um, – the confidence to, that, that you now have in him to make a long kick and the confidence he now has in himself uh, to make a kick like that. But if you remember that time of the game, Joe, that, that was right after uh, the, the one player who didn't play well for Iowa, believe it or not, Tory Taylor, who had the 12-yard shank of a punt that, that puts Northwestern in great field position. They come down and score. All of a sudden, it's 20-7 to uh, early in the third quarter. And we've seen Northwestern come back year after year in, in games like this in the second half and, and find a way to beat Iowa late and so Iowa really needed to get some momentum back uh, on that next drive they got stopped uh, put put Drew Stevens in that field goal kicking unit in, in a tough spot to line up for a 54 yarder 
Didn't have a lot of le- didn't have a lot of room of, of extra room there, Joe. But uh, but he got that over the, the crossbar, and uh, and that was a huge kick. Again, not just uh, for him to and and uh, for us to know that he has that in him, uh, but in in the flow of the game and to kind of re grab that momentum and and show Northwestern uh, the scoring wasn't over and it, and it wouldn't be over beyond there. So uh, Iowa has had a history of really good kickers. Uh, again, when when you look at what Iowa does well, it's usually not throwing the ball down the field. It's usually holding on to the ball, clamping down defensively, playing a clean game, and kicking field goals. And I was able to do all that, and it feels like those are all repeatable things moving into the, the, the month of November. And I think that should give uh, give fans some optimism here. Yeah, I, I, I think definitely so. I mean, um, like, like I said, and, and I'll go back to that level of competition. It's lower than it was. We're not playing Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. Um, now we're now we're playing teams that we're on par with. I think, as far as talent goes, and I don't think Purdue's like so much more talented than we are. Um, one thing I would like to look at, I guess, maybe their defensive line against our offensive line. See how I don't know how many seniors they've got versus you know we, we just got a really young, inexperienced offensive line. Mm-hmm. But now they played eight games, you know, so they're not as young and not as inexperienced as they were at the beginning of the season. So you hope that they're improving. And that uh, that we can that we can run the ball somewhat effectively against Purdue. When I say somewhat effectively, I think to beat Purdue, you know, or, or any of these games coming up, you know, we got to run the ball for 125 to 150 yards at least. And if we can do that, you know, we're going to win a lot of games. I, I, I think coming down the stretch. Um, if we can't, I I I I don't know. I don't really know how we win them unless our defense really. You know, gets two or three turnovers and and does some good things. I mean, there's there's some bad teams on the schedule as we look forward. I I don't think Nebraska's you know really that good, um, <clears throat> and a couple of others. But um, you know, we we we're gonna have a tough time with Minnesota. We're gonna have a tough time with Purdue. There's no doubt about it. So got to play uh, got to play well. Got to play our kind of game and. We, and we got to be able to run the ball. Yeah. We can't run the ball. It's hard to win. 100% right. And it, it was good to see Caleb Johnson get uh, 13 carries for 93 yards. Uh, LeSean Williams had a really nice game, 43 yards on 11 carries, had a couple of nice uh, uh, catches as well. And, uh, and and he looks shifty back there. Uh, I know Gavin Williams was injured early in the game. I haven't seen much of an update on him yet, but you're exactly right. If, if this running game can get going a little bit, uh, that just eases so much else. It, it, as we talked about earlier, it, it brings in the, the play-action game. It it uh, it just puts you on schedule as an offense to have these kinds of drives that even if they end with field goals when you hope they would end in touchdowns, at least you're putting points on the board. And maybe more importantly than anything, you're giving the defense time to kind of catch its breath, uh, take a break, adjust to things that the opposing offense is doing. And then we saw Iowa's defense do that against Northwestern. I mean, they had a great game, a typically great game, but a great game nonetheless. Allowed just 177 yards to Northwestern, uh, just 18 yards rushing had Northwestern. Now that that includes about 40 yards of sack yardage that they lost. Uh, but even there, even Evan Hull, who who has had really good games against Iowa in the past and is a good running back, had 11 carries for 32 yards. I mean, that's that's uh, no production at all essentially for Northwestern's running game. And then you've got Iowa's defense. Defense, which uh, had seven sacks, seven different players all got a sack. That defensive line was just eating up the the Northwestern offensive line. You had Kayvon Merriweather with that that interception right at the end of the first half, and and just the the, the defensive backfield able to really shut down clamp down on those receivers and and do well. And and they're going to need to do that again, uh, over and over again. It does feel like 
there's at least one more of those games uh, this season, right, Joe? It feels like there's at least one more of those two or three turnover games, uh, maybe a pick six or, or, or even two in a game, uh, like they had against Rutgers, a pick six and a scoop and score. It feels like Iowa, over these next four games, at least one time, will be able to rely on their defense to score some points. You don't want to have to do that every week, uh, but but hopefully that, that'll come at the right time. Uh, but this defense, uh, there's just no superlative you can say that, that doesn't fit this defense right now. They truly are one of the best in the country. Uh, Iowa has a has had a, a not great season. The reason they're 4-4, four and four, the reason they haven't been blown out, the reason this season isn't over, Joe, is because this defense has played so well and, and continues to do so. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, the defense is, is, is just very, very solid. Um, you know, Ohio State, yeah, they scored a lot of points on us, um, but that was really the offense turning the ball over and all kinds of crazy stuff from a you know, our punter deciding to take off and run and whatever. You know, the, those games happen. And Ohio State's clearly a lot better than we are. It was at their place, right? Um, I'm more worried about, you know, how do we, how does this team, it is a young team, uh, it's the second youngest team in the Big Ten this year. How does this team compare to, you know, um, I'll call it our normal teams, all right? Kind of middle of the pack teams, um, you know, the Purdue's. Uh, the Illinois is, is obviously a, a pretty darn good team. Um, are they going to compete with Michigan and Ohio State? Oh, I doubt it. You know, they don't have the offense to stay with them, I don't think. But, you know, I mean, Bielema is playing a Kirk, Kirk Ferentz style uh, yeah. of, of game to a T, right? I mean, great defense, stop to run, uh, has a really good running attack, and has just a, you know, an okay quarterback. He's not doing anything great, just wins. And, and like we said, I don't care where we're ranked offensively. You know, we'll get, we'll deal with that. We'll be okay with it as long as we get the W. And when you get the W, you know, I don't care whether you're getting eight yards a game or, or whatever. W is the most important statistic. So, um, you know, we weren't getting the W's earlier in the year. And it was getting disappointing. So, and, and that's, that's the what, what you just said there, Joe. That the W being the most important statistic. That's exactly right. And, and you could, again, you could just kind of see the easing of tension. Uh, I'm sure you could feel it inside Kinnick Stadium uh, because I'm sure when Spencer Peters trotted out there as the starting quarterback, there were some groans. I didn't hear a lot of boos or anything <laughs> like that. But I, I think there was worry that, uh oh, here we go again. And uh, and they were able to put that to bed pretty quickly. You've seen it all this week too. Not not just within. Uh, the fan base, and you've certainly seen that on social media. It hasn't been nearly as as vitriolic or as toxic as it had been uh, be, had, as it had become the last few weeks. Uh, you've seen it with Kirk Ferentz at his press conferences. You saw it Tuesday afternoon uh, with the players' press conferences. Uh, I saw a great video of Riley Moss g- kind of getting choked up and, and emotional. Um, being so happy to see Spencer Petras have some success. They obviously love him in that locker room. He is their leader, and, and they are all uh, doing everything they can to, to put the best product on the field. And so just even if it's only for a week, and you know we'll, we'll talk about Purdue coming up here in the next segment, uh, and, and there's a lot of questions there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But even if just for a week, it allows us all to kind of take take stock of things, take a breath, take a step back, pump those brakes as I, as I was trying to get people to do uh, a week week ago and it just it, it stopped all that kind of whirlpool of toxicity that was swirling around this program and certainly within the fan base over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that 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 W in in the column, regardless of who it's against, uh, just helped ease things up a little bit. And I think that that may be more than anything, Joe, is is the thing I've been most happy to see this week. 
Yeah, I, th- I think they'll go into practice with some relief, and uh, they'll they'll have a good week of practice. Now, Purdue's had a bye week, so Purdue's going to be really ready for us, and it's at Purdue, so that's going to make it even tougher. And um, you know, but but no, you, you want Spencer's, you want Petrus to do well, you want him to do well. He's a good guy, he's a good kid, um, hard worker, the whole bit. Um, but he's he's he, he's not the kind of quarterback that you can put the whole team, the whole offense on his back, and he can plays win the game. He's a complimentary kind of a quarterback, um, you know, where he's got to have a good running game, and he's got to have his wide receivers. He hasn't had a good running game. He's had a young and experienced offensive line, and um, and then you've had you've had a lot of injuries uh, to the wide receivers. Wide receivers are getting a little bit healthier. Right, um, you know, we just talked about that offensive line. I think it's now got eight games under its belt. They got to be getting a little better, and uh, you know, the running game has just flat out got to be there. If, if Spencer doesn't have a decent running game, um, and his play action doesn't work as good, he doesn't get that extra second back there to, you know, whatever set his feet and and find his receiver and make his throw. You know, our offense is 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 very ugly. Okay, <laughs> it's very ugly. Um, he's not a he's not a Drew Tate that's going to run around back there like Fran Tarkington or or, or Sean Watson or somebody and, and zip around and make and make play, plays out of out of bad plays. You know, make a good play out of a bad play. That's not Spencer. So we'll see. But uh, it was really nice to see us play Iowa football. See the offensive line open up big holes. Uh, no turnovers. Very few penalties. You know that that was a that that's how we win games. Very Iowa workman like. Well, we put Thanks. that yeah, we absolutely we put that one in the rear view here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. And uh, when we come back, we're going to start looking ahead to the game against Purdue. It's a big one in West Lafayette Saturday at eleven. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. If you've missed any of it so far, check it out at the podcast page of HawkeyeNation.com or search Hawkeye Nation wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back to talk about Iowa Purdue here on one. 106.3 KXNO. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's get to this week's game. Iowa finally coming off a win and now headed to West Lafayette to take on Purdue. It's an 11 a.m. kick and at last check, Iowa is a four and a half point underdog. And my guest today covers Purdue for the Journal and Courier. It is Mike Carmen. Mike, thanks for the time again. Hey, thanks uh, for having me. Look forward to it. You know, before we get into this game specifically, uh, we got to talk about Charlie Jones. He was a Hawkeye fan favorite last season, made his impact at Iowa, you know, more in the special teams than, than in the offense, but he's clearly been a breakout receiver for the Boilermakers. What's it been like covering him this season, and, and how has the program and the fan base embraced the former Hawkeye? 
Well, he's got a name of Chuck Sizzle, and they've made T-shirts and all NIL stuff. So uh, I would say that's a sign that they've embraced him uh, uh, pretty well. Uh, I mean, he started off really hot. You know, he had, I think, double-digit receptions in three of the first four or something like that. Uh, clearly became a go-to guy for Aiden O'Connell uh, because they, they needed to replace David Bell, which I know is a sore spot with uh, Iowa fans. Uh, and they also lost Milton Wright. Um, who was academically ineligible for the bowl game and also for this season. So they needed a number one guy. And, you know, Jeff Brom didn't really know a lot about Charlie uh, before he got here. Uh, he used, um, you know, Aiden O'Connell's experience with Charlie going back to youth football and baseball when they played together uh, way back in the day to to kind of say, okay, let's, uh, let's give this guy a shot. And, you know, he's been a good surprise uh, as, you know, he's got great speed, uh, he's been he's been banged up most of the year uh, with some injuries, but he's played through them. Uh, the off week should have helped him, but uh, he's, he's been he's been good to cover. Um, uh, really interesting story from you know from a, from a lot of different angles. But uh, you know this week obviously it's uh, you know how how will he play against his former teammates, and uh, we won't know that because he wasn't made available to to talk about it. So we'll see what happens on the field Saturday. Yeah, I know a lot of Iowa fans, you, you bring up David Bell, you talk about Charlie Jones, a lot of Iowa fans are worried that Charlie Jones is going to be that guy this year. The the David Bell from the last couple of years who uh, who Purdue just finds over and over again, and for whatever reason, Iowa is is unable to adjust. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a couple of minutes, but you mentioned Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback. He has had a nice season throwing to Jones and, and to others, and it seems like a new running back has emerged and really taken the reins in the last few games. So who should Hawkeye fans be focused on when Purdue has the ball well i mean they're gonna they're gonna look at charlie jones that'd be number one uh it, you know staying with the passing game tight end Payne durham has had a good year um i always feel like the tight end should be more involved in, in brahms offense but you know he's got to push the ball down the field a lot but he's a guy that can work the middle of the field and really uh create some space and you know draw some attention from from some other guys but from the running game perspective you know devin mockaby is is a guy no one really heard of before this year. He's a walk-on from Boonville, Indiana, which is down near uh, Evansville. Um, came into the program, you know, played spring ball, you know, made some nice plays in spring ball, but through the course of some injuries and, you know, running backs not being available, worked his way up the depth chart and, you know, started uh, started playing well. And uh, early in the year, he, you know, had a nice game against Indiana State, but, uh Ran the ball okay against Syracuse, and then in three of his last four games, he's got more than 100 yards. He's, his cutback and his vision is uh, really good. Um, he's hard to tackle because his legs kind of flail around a little bit, and he's not easy to bring down. Uh, but he's he's clearly their number one running back right now. Other guys will work in there, but he's he's been the workhorse. He's been the guy. And, um, you know, if, they, if Purdue can get some yards on the ground, you know, Saturday, that's that's going to help their their entire offense and be able to, to highlight the passing game even more. Yeah, I think I've seen uh, crazy legs, Maccabi, man, that yeah. Chuck Sizzle. It's, it's been a fun season for Purdue. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've come up with some nicknames, and obviously in the area era of NIL, they're they're using all the hats to their financial advantage. Well, the Boilermakers have mostly been able to outscore teams, but they have allowed teams to put up points. Uh, what defensive issues have there been, and maybe where are the strengths of that defense? Well, the major issue is the secondary, um, and uh, it's a matter of right now if they can get their 
their starters back healthy. Uh, Corey Trice and Jamari Brown, their two starting cornerbacks, left the Wisconsin game two weeks ago and didn't return. Uh, it's still trying to find out if they're if they're actually practicing this week. Purdue doesn't have a lot of depth in the secondary, so if they don't have their starters out there, they are uh, they could be in a world of hurt, even against a team that has been offensively challenged like Iowa, because all it takes is one or two big plays over the top to put you in scoring position. Uh, and I, I think in this game, Saturday points uh, with every Iowa game is going to be at a premium. So you've got to take your points when you can get them. But Purdue, even when they've been healthy in the secondary, they've, they've been just riddled. Um, guys are running wide open. Nebraska, you know, Trey Palmer had 237 yards receiving. You know, it was big play after big play. So there's something going on there fundamentally that they're not they're not catching on to. Uh, maybe the off week will help them do that, but they've got to get healthy back there. The strength of the defense has been the line. Uh, they, they have a lot of bodies that they rotate in there, and there's not a lot of separation from the number one guy to the number 12 guy, uh, but they just keep moving, moving guys in there. They've done okay against the run uh, against Big Ten teams. Now Wisconsin got them for a couple big gains. Um, two weeks ago, you know, but that's going to happen a little bit. They've they've done a good job of containing the run, uh, but they're, they're, that's the strength of their defense right now. Their their issue is they don't make enough plays in the backfield. They're not they're disruptive enough with the quarterback. Uh, but you know, they've gotten home a little bit here uh, recently. If that continues Saturday, that's going to that's going to help them. So those are that's kind of where things stand defensively right now with Purdue. In five seasons under Jeff Brom, Purdue is 4-1 and one against Iowa. The the narrative over here, Mike, is that Kirk Ferentz uh, just, just can't adjust to the scheme or the plan, the, the game plan that Jeff Brom puts out there uh, each and every season, or, or at least hasn't been able to up, to up to this point. Why do you think Purdue has had so much success over Iowa in the Jeff Brom era? Well, I mean, Jeff has identified guys in the secondary that he feels like he can pick on and get over the top. And they've had, they've had really good receivers. You know, you, David Bell, I, I know he's the, you know, the guy that stands out, but when you look at uh, games by receivers from Purdue, I mean, a guy by the name of Terry Wright had a huge game against Purdue at Ross Aid stadium a few years ago that just, they kept pushing the ball down the field. And I know they picked on Riley Moss when he was younger and uh, he, you know, he's back again uh, and I'm sure he's better. But, you know, Jeff's going to test those guys uh, in the second day. The, the one issue this year is that Charlie Jones is really their only deep threat. They've had multiple deep threats before, but Charlie's really their only true deep threat this year. So, you know, maybe Iowa throws the kitchen sink at him and forces other guys to, to beat him. You know, and this year's Purdue's, Purdue's offense has been more of a, you know, methodical type of thing. They've taken the underneath routes because te- teams are playing deep. Uh, so I, I just think Jeff has, you know, Jeff and his staff have done a good job of scouting and, you know, have found a weakness or an area they feel like they can exploit. And they just, they kind of continue to do it and they continue to do it. And, you know, if Iowa doesn't want to adjust or can't adjust, that's, that's kind of on them. 
Iowa has four trophy games every season. This isn't one of them, but Purdue is certainly becoming a major rival of the Hawkeyes just by winning year in and year out, spoiling great seasons. Last year, you know, the, the chief amongst those is Iowa came into that game, uh, ranked second, coming off the big win over Penn State, and then uh, really fell flat against Purdue. And, and that kind of uh, uh, Iowa really hasn't recovered from that fully uh, a year later now, Mike. What, what's your sense of, of how the Purdue program and, and the Purdue fan base view Iowa kind of as a rival and, and as a program? Well, I, I, I think, I, you know, Purdue should want to be like Iowa. I, I, and I know that's this year maybe you don't want to be like Iowa. But when you look at the, the overall success and what, what they've done over the long term, that's, that's the Purdue program that they want. I mean, you want to consistently win seven, eight, nine games every year. Uh, there's also a reality component to, to this as well when you have to play Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule, which Iowa did this year. But now, as as we get out of divisions, you know you don't know what that schedule is going to look like every year. But you just you know the the consistency that that Iowa has has put together, and I know that that kind of gets lost in this season. But you know over the long term, just look at what they've done and uh, the number of big games that they've played, the bowl games, and that's you know I, I think that's where Purdue wants to be. I, I don't think there's some grand illusion here at Purdue that they're they're going to be Ohio State or, or Michigan. Uh, they're going to be those kind of teams, but you know Iowa is a standard bearer for consistency uh, at at the level that 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 they that they are, and that's where Purdue should be or should strive to be. And I think that's where the fan base would want them uh, to be. Yeah, you always want to win championships. You always want to play in the best bowl game possible. But you know the long term and the long haul is what I think helps you build recruiting, helps you build your program. And you have a consistent level of success. And i that's where everyone should strive to be. He is Mike Carmen. You can follow him on Twitter, at Carmen underscore JC. Check out his work in the Journal and Courier. And Mike, I uh, always appreciate talking to you. Always appreciate the time. Have a, uh, a great weekend and rest of the season. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO, anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. And if you've missed any of it so far, check it out on the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, that's not the only thing you'll find there. You'll find great work from our great writers, Rob Howe, uh, Rick Brown, John Bonacamp, covering all aspects of Hawkeye sports. And uh, it's getting to be a busy time of year. Basketball coming, both men and women, with uh, high expectations, certainly for the women. I think uh, an expectation of fun uh, for the men. And, and from what we saw Monday, night what this team is going to be wrestling season right around the corner Spencer Lee coming back some national championship aspirations there and uh, and of course still a month left of football season and hopefully uh, a bowl game and uh, and more beyond that so a lot going on at HawkeyeNation.com you should check that out and uh, and we're going to start talking a little bit about Purdue but Joe before we do that you know let's say I'm, I'm a guy driving around right now thinking hey what am I going to do to watch this Iowa Purdue game don't really want to watch at home uh, I'm not going over to West Lafayette how do I watch this game where's the best place in des moines for a hawkeye fan to go and watch a game and what what would you tell that person joe i would tell that person go down the front row they will uh take care of you it's over at about a hundredth and uh oh it, it, it's just south of willis auto campus there at uh, about a hundredth and hickman uh just south of that intersection great spot great time 
great bartenders. Uh, they, they pipe the game in so you can hear the announcers the whole bit. They got a big screen TV out on the, on the back deck, on the patio. They got two big rooms in there to watch the game. They got a ton of really good TVs. So I go there. That's where I go. Absolutely. Same here. It's like a Hawkeye museum in that place. It's so much fun. And uh, and hopefully you'll be there cheering on a, a big Hawkeye victory because here comes Purdue. Uh, Purdue is a, a good, not great team. We're going to say that a lot over these next couple of weeks, I think, Joe. But, uh, you know, Purdue, uh, regardless of, of who their personnel is or, or what they have going on, uh, I think that the biggest thing is that Jeff Brom has just really had Iowa's number. His five seasons as as head coach at Purdue, uh, they are four and one against Iowa, and uh, and none more painful for us Hawkeye fans as as just over a year ago when Iowa had just come off that big win against Penn State, number two in the country at home against Purdue, and you really don't even show up for that game, and, and Purdue and David Bell are able to kind of just run over you and, and go to a win, and and Iowa really hasn't been the same since losing uh, that game to Purdue. Uh, it just hasn't felt quite the same since then, and so. The the scheme, uh, whatever whatever Jeff Brom has, you know, finding that one guy, that one matchup he likes, and just exploiting it over and over. And for whatever reason, uh, Kirk Ferentz and and Phil Parker have just been a- unable to adjust to it uh, in these five seasons. Uh, th- that's my my biggest worry about this game, Joe. Has nothing to do with Aiden O'Connell or or Devin Mockaby or even Charlie Jones, who we'll certainly talk about here. It's just the scheme, and Purdue just seems to have something figured out uh, against Iowa. That that's my worry is uh is, is that I was going to go over there and it's just going to look the same as it's looked for the last five years yeah you gotta you gotta be scared of that there's no doubt about it um I didn't just look up their offense or their defensive line defensive line and uh regrettably they're all a bunch of uh looks a lot of redshirt seniors redshirt juniors so uh yeah. it's gonna be a senior laden defense against a young Hawkeye offensive line so that doesn't bode real well against this but if you go back and you look at their schedule, like you said, they are all over the place. I mean, they played Penn State, really tough, got beat by four. Uh, then they go out a few weeks later and they clock Minnesota 20-10. to 10. I think Minnesota's quarterback might have been hurt. And then they barely slide by Florida Atlantic. They barely slide by Maryland. Uh, and then they get crunched by, you know, Wisconsin. So they're real up and down, in, I can call them inconsistent teams. And, um, you know, one thing is we have to get pressure on their quarterback. Have to get pressure on their quarterback. If we can get to him a little bit, knock him around some, that will help a ton. Um, you know, we all want to point to the offense all the time, but the reality of it is, Andrew, um, their offense has taken it to our defense. Yes. The last few games. And we can all point, yeah, it was Bell. It seemed like every time they had a third down, they throw a 20 yard pass and Bell would complete it. Um, Matt Hankins was right there gardening a lot. It seemed like last last year, maybe the year before, I, the, the kid was just phenomenal. Right, he was just a heck of a heck of a wide receiver. We wanted him. I think we came real close to getting Bell, um, but uh, you know he went there and lit it up. And thank God he's gone. Right, <laughs> um, Charlie Jones having a heck of a year. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything like Bell did to us. <laughs> Nobody has. Um, so hopefully we're we're ready for Charlie, and um, you know we can put the clamps on that, shut down the running game, hit their quarterback a few times, create a couple of turnovers, um, pin them deep when we do have to punt, and turn it into a 
you know, it, it, we're not going to win. We're not going to win this game, forty-three to thirty-seven. Okay, this has got to be kind of a twenty to seventeen or seventeen fourteen. You know, kind of a game. Our defense cannot give up five or six plays of over twenty yards. No, you're, you're right. It, got to run the ball. If you allow Purdue to score thirty points, you lose this game, and you're exactly right. And I think uh, a lot of Hawkeye fans are, are, you know, rightfully worried about Charlie Jones having a big game, just because you have seen Purdue wide receivers put up big games against Iowa. But Charlie Jones is not uh, David Bell. He's just a different kind of receiver, and, and that's no, you know judgment on Charlie Jones or anything. They're just different players, and it feels like Iowa's defensive backfield is hopefully you know better suited for this. You know that this that kind of factor, you know, Riley Moss knows Charlie Jones, right? These guys, whether or not they're going to talk about it, there is there is that that little extra thing in this game with Charlie Jones, and and not just him, but... Uh, the the other Ty- Tyrone Tracy, who is also not not having the year that Charlie Jones is having by any means, but uh, but is also at Purdue now, a, a former Hawkeye, and uh, and I'm sure would love to have a big game. Aiden O'Connell has had a good season; he's looked good, but he he's been interception prone as well at times. I know he threw three in one game; he's got eight on the season, so there's potential there for Iowa to to, to make some hay. Uh, the the running game has gotten better over these last couple of games for to for Purdue under Devin Mockaby. Uh, they call him Crazy Legs Mockaby. He's a, a freshman running back who's had 100 yards in three of the last four games. Really was unknown coming into the season, but has really taken over that job with King Drew being injured for quite a, quite a bit of the season. Um, I think a big thing happened last year was that the changing of the quarterbacks. If you remember this, Joe, uh, Purdue was playing like three different quarterbacks last season uh, when they played against Iowa, and it was just really hard for Iowa to kind of get that uh, that feel get into any sort of a rhythm defensively against this team. That's not the case this year. It is going to be Aiden O'Connell. You know he's going to be throwing to Charlie Jones. You just have to be able to stop that and then adjust to whatever adjustments uh, Jeff Brom is able to make mid-game. I think you're exactly right. If you hold Purdue to 20 points or less, you feel good about winning this game uh, because Purdue's defense isn't great. They've won a lot of those games, but you mentioned they squeaked by in a couple of those, and that's because they give up points. They allow points. Uh, Their defensive line is good. They're, they're, They're old. And they rotate a lot of guys in there, and, and that's certainly a worry. Uh, but if you're able to kind of maintain that or, or contain that, uh, th- then you can you can make some hay against this Purdue secondary. Uh, if, if you get your running backs into the second level, they can break some big plays. Uh, I think Iowa has a good chance to, to score in the 20s this game, uh, but. The defense, this does fall on the defense, and we spend a lot of time praising this defense, and rightfully so, and we have for a long time, uh, but you're exactly right. In these games against Purdue, the offense typically hasn't been the main problem. The main problem has been uh, the defense hasn't been able to stop this Purdue offensive attack. Yeah, and it does look like Purdue runs the ball very well. They're predominantly a passing team. Um, they gave up a lot of yards rushing uh, to uh, Nebraska and also to Wisconsin. So, um, you know, I, I would like to think that we're as good a running game as Wisconsin is. And uh, I, I think that's going to be the whole key to the thing. Can, can we run the ball on offense effectively not have to dominate and gain 400 yards rushing? I'm saying can we get 150 yards rushing and, and keep our defense off the field a bit? I think that's going to be a huge key. And then can our defense create a couple turnovers? Um, can they stop? You know the passing game a little bit. You know, uh, hold them, hold them, two hundred three or that two hundred yards. You're not going to hold them two hundred yards. So you hold them under three hundred yards passing. I mean, you, you got to keep them out of the end zone. It's going to be the number one thing. 
And, and then we got to run the ball on offense. We can run the ball on offense. We seem to be able to pass. And, you know, it all, it all goes from there. So if we go over there, you know, bumble, stumble around, turn the ball over in, in the red zone, uh, get a bunch of, of stupid penalties, holding or, or whatever type penalties, um, you know, we're not going to win. We're not going to beat anybody. We're not that good this year. Um, that, that's reality. Uh, we're in kind of a rebuilding phase. Kirk alluded to that uh, yesterday in the press conference um, where in 1984, you know, we had just graduated a bunch of seniors in 83 uh, and uh, also in 84, we had a fairly inexperienced young offensive line, much like we have this year. And I think we all know what happened in 85. This isn't like, this is a bunch of, uh, untalented, I'm not sure that's the word, lack, you know, offensive linemen that lack talent aren't any good. These kids are good. They're very good athletes. They're highly recruited, and um, they're going to be really good. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take to get them there. You know, there were some injuries last couple of years that have kept some of these guys out. They didn't get as much practice time, and you know, this is going to be a really good offensive line, and everybody just needs to take a chill pill, whether we win or not, on Saturday, and realize years like this happen. Okay, and sometimes you you got to take a step backward, and then that develops your team for for two steps forward. And I really, really believe, you know, that's where we are this year. It's too bad we don't have a great offensive line. <clears throat> this could be, you know, one heck of a football team. If we did, but we don't, we're really young and they're getting better. They got a lot of talent and it's just going to take, it's just going to take some time. So biggest key. And I think I said this last week, Andrew, we got to find a way to get win six games, if not seven. This team is so young all the way across. Like I said, second youngest team in the big 10. Okay. And that's reality. Um, they need those bowl game practices. They need to travel for that extra game. They need to play every game they can. And that will yield dividends for us, you know, in 2023, 2024. So, that's All right. my thought. All right, Joe. Big game. What do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction for Saturday, late, uh, early, late well, morning, early afternoon in West Lafayette? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always optimistic, like Zobel said. Zobel said he's the eternal optimist. Um, I, I, I think our defense is going gonna, is gonna to create some turnovers. Um, we, we, we need to. We've got to win. One, we got to win the turnover battle. And two, we got to be able to run the ball. If we do those two things, we're going to win. I think we will. Um, I'm really, really hoping that uh, Taylor has a good game, pins them deep a few times, and our defense has, has just got to play. They've got to play good. And uh, I don't see a David Bell on that team. Charlie Jones is not David Bell. Um, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna pull it out something uh, you know twenty to twenty to thirteen twenty to seventeen something in that regard. I like it. I like it a lot. Joe Schmelka, thank you as always. It's been a lot of fun. If you've missed any of this show, uh, check it out at the podcast page of HawkeyeNation.com. And again, check everything out that we're doing over there. It's a busy time in Hawkeye athletics, but a really fun time as well. And uh, and hopefully we'll be back a week from now talking about another big win and a, the start of a winning streak and, uh, and a lot of confidence going into the final three games of the football season. Joe Schmelka, thank you as always. And uh, go Hawks, huh? Take care. Go Hawks.